Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Officially unofficial podcast for House of the Dragon on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about, well, the only episode that's out. So there's no confusion. Uh, season one, episode <laughs> one. There's there's a lot of confusion, though, because there's no name on this episode. It's just called there's episode no name, one. No credit sequence. That's the, something the, that I was wondering if, if that was, you know, because I've only seen the uh, the press copy that was circulating, uh, you know, at the time that I went out to see it in L.A. Mm-hmm. I knew there wasn't one there. Uh, you don't think that the intro is just going to be that like sigil with the flames behind it. And then that's that, just how everyone's going to start. I'm surprised that there isn't more of an intro and that this doesn't have a name given all the production value that's clearly all over this show. Uh, it feels like they'd want a big celebratory yeah. thing at the beginning, but maybe they feel like they haven't earned it yet. Or maybe they thought there's no place because I I think the first season did have one. It 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 was you had the cold open of like what was going on beyond you know beyond the wall and Lord Royce getting his head chopped off and the deserter fleeing the White Walkers and I thought we went to the the crazy but maybe not maybe not uh, uh, if it, 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 it's not unprecedented for an HBO show to not have an intro sequence in the first episode especially when it's a supersize it's clocked in slightly over an hour tonight. Um, mm-hmm. but all that bullshit aside, Jim, I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm with child <laughs> that I hope is not stillborn to know. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what well, did you think of this episode one, this titleless episode, this creditless episode of house of the dragon, hot D? Uh, let me assist you with something. I'm, I guess I'm going to call a D section for dragons. I don't yeah. know. Uh, yeah. I-, I thought this was a very strong premiere. I thought it established the characters very well, especially the particular character of Daemon Targaryen. Uh, he seems like a real pill. Um, mm-hmm. And it, and it's set in motion kind of everything I need to know. And it, look, I, I know a little bit about the basic premise and then the setup here of what happens. I'm not going to like say anything about that, but I think it did a good job. If you're even slightly familiar with that, telling you, okay, they're going to get to this stuff pretty fast. There, yeah. It, it seems like there, there's one event, important event yet to take place that I was not necessarily expecting to happen in this first episode, but I was, it, it, I was wondering how they would handle it, and I think like, I, I don't know how soon that happens after these events, so I'm not like disappointed that we didn't see it or anything because we get so many other pieces of setup here that it's totally fine. Um, but yeah, I, I was a big fan of this episode. It felt. A lot like Game of Thrones, <laughs> a lot like yeah. early Game of Thrones. I thought it felt confident. I thought it was pretty well written. There were some, you know, lines uh-huh. that I th- I had a good chuckle over. There were some lines I thought were pretty badass. Uh, I thought the action was great. I loved 
I mean, so I, this is the second time I saw it, and I got to say I enjoyed it even more because the first time I saw this, I was just kind of gripped up with like, oh, my God, I hope this isn't terrible. Oh, my God, this is a lot of text. This is a lot of narration. This is but oh, but but chill out. That's how Lord of the Rings started too. fellowship started this way. And that was awesome. Uh-huh. And there by, by the time we got to the tournament scene. Uh, I had completely relaxed and got it, got it gripped up and absorbed oh, in the episode. Yeah, that tournament like scene is great and infuriating in in all the right yeah. ways. Yeah, and it's just so much more illuminated than from the text because, like I, I I alluded to, that's that's a one paragraph scene in the book. You know, uh, the target, you know, Viserys uh, experienced tra- tragedy. His queen died in childbirth, and the, his male heir survived till the next day. And that's it. But <laughs> th- it really comes alive on and, and you really get there's also also just so many interesting things, because in the book, um, you get the pretty clear you get the pretty clear impression that Damon's just partying it up. He is so happy that his brother's heir died and that he's the clear heir and he's making this joke about the heir for a day. But when you see it in the show, like he's really processing it. Like the there, he's definitely in the middle of this brothel and people are having a, a good old time, but in his inner model in his inner thoughts, he's hearing the screams of his, uh, his brother's wife dying. And he's clearly like put on the spot when he's asked to give a speech and, you know, he's got his public image and you don't crucially hear what he actually says as he starts to mm-hmm. toast to the Kings. I'm, I'm sure air for a day was in there. But like, there's a way to say that that's like somber and appropriate, even for Damon. And, and I felt like the show did a really good job of showing that like he's not entirely one dimensional and maybe he wanted to defend himself to his brother and he does care about his brother. But, you know, is, is this another instance of Otto Hightower manipulating the king or is Damon actually it? I, I, there's a lot of sh- there's a lot more shades of gray. Um in, and, and I feel like this is it's a great way to capture the spirit of fire and blood because fire and blood is all about, well, Septon and so-and-so says this and Maester so-and-so mm-hmm. this and the fool mushroom says this. You've still got the shades of gray and that kind of, even yeah. though they, you know, they, 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 I guess this is the definitive version of the history. I just thought it was great. I thought it was, it, it looked like a million bucks there because they probably spent, perhaps? they probably uh-huh. spent 20 on it. <laughs> um, I thought that, you know, like the Kingsguard armor, recognizably Kingsguard, but very, very cool, a little bit throwback looking. Uh, I thought that the kids, you know, Alice at Hightower and Rhaenyra's, uh, or Rhaenyra rather, were excellent. I love their chemistry. Uh, they, they, they really felt like they're pals. Um, yeah, I, I, this, this is a great, this is a great first episode. It does everything it needs to do. I think a fair-minded Game yeah. of Thrones fan walks away from this episode really hyped for the season to come because it just perfectly sets the stage. It gets you there's there's shit going down in uh you know over the seas there's there's mm-hmm. rumblings in, in Essos of this triarchy and there's secret messages being sent by Raven. Yeah. yeah. You've got a I succession think. that's a mess. You've got uh, rivalries between the brothers. You got rivalries between the aunts and uncles. You got you know, uh, a best BFF ship that is between the queen and uh, Otto's daughter. But, you know, Otto's sending her into the chambers of the king. Mm-hmm. That felt gross and portentous. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah, it's all there. And it it looks amazing. I 
I, I'm, I'm delighted. I'm, I'm delighted with this first episode. I really love the complexity of some of the dynamics there because he talked about, you know, Damon being not just this one dimensional guy who wants the throne at all costs, but like they're doing a lot more with that, too, because you get the impression that, okay, maybe this king is not as bad as, let's say, Robert um, Baratheon being a king, but clearly like there are some cracks around the edges, right? Like, why is Damon even involved in this council? You know, it's because, well, he has a soft spot for blood and I and so like you get the impression that when Damon tells him, you know, I have to protect you from yourself and Otto won't do it. He's kind of not a hundred percent wrong. Right. Right. Um, cause, cause under Otto's watch here as hand of the King, it hasn't exactly gone perfectly. So, you know, there are cracks to pick at. And I really like, and that even stuff. like the King himself said, you know, Otto's bemoaning the fact that, uh, Damon's got this 2000 strong army and he's like, it's the one that you handed yeah. him. You yeah. know, as a way to keep him, you know, safely away from the affairs of state. And it's like uh, all those things are Otto's idea. Master of law, master of coin. Uh, sure. But then Otto fires back. You know, I wanted him to send him away from here altogether. True. I didn't want him having anything to do with this council. But you got the soft spot for but blood, does that work on a man like Damon or does that just provoke a civil war? Right. right. A generation and early. That's what I love, like, right? It's the complexity of the thing. It's like right. a, no decision is a great decision. And it shows also, I think the characterization they did with Viserys in this first episode with him having to make the tough choice about does he try and save this baby or does he just oh, leave man. it to the gods and let them decide whether his wife and child die. And I, I felt like they set him up as a man who can make hard decisions in this first episode. Right. But what, when does he make those decisions as a last resort at when it's already too late to fix the problems that indecision has caused? It's it's very complex, and I'm I'm super interested in those characters. I want to say a couple of things before we get too much further. Uh, welcome to everybody that's joining us. We got a lot of people in chat. Uh, if you anything that you put in the chat, uh, if you're joining us live, uh, we will get to in the instant talk portion after this, which is exclusively for club members, by the way. If you're wondering, like, what is this live show? What can I get? How can I get into it? Support.ballmove.com. Join the club. And you, too, can uh, have a little after show celebration with us every Sunday night for this season. And if you don't, uh, that's cool, too. You can send in an uh, email to hot D at baldmove.com, H-O-T-D, and we will consider all that feedback later in the week. Um, please, in this chat, please try to keep it spoiler free, because I know there's a lot of people that probably have Red Fire and Blood or the Rogue Prince or the Princess and the Queen uh, we don't want to ruin that. This is a show first podcast. I've read all that stuff and I'm perfectly co- comfortable with dealing with that with Maester Anthony uh, and our feedback show later on this week. But uh, that's that's for hot D at baldmove.com. Uh, the chat is exclusively for spoiler free thoughts about uh, tonight's episode. Uh, so definitely go ahead and queue up and, and start asking those questions. We're, we're compiling it now. Um, I want to talk about the. You know, a lot of people want to know, like, what was the to- the the Martin heresy that the Aaron was talking about? It's that end scene, um, which felt like, like I said, um, you know, if you're a lore hound, you probably know all about uh, Rhaegar Targaryen. He went into the library as a bookish poet, lover, lute playing uh, uh, Chad, but not much of a warrior. And he, he, he came, he became obsessed with certain tomes and he comes out there and he says, I'm going to need a sword and armor because it turns out I'm supposed to be a warrior. And he came up with this, this theory, this, the song of ice and fire, 
that he foresaw the doom of men. This, you know, happens long, you know, this, this is many, many years past where we're at in the time. We find out tonight that actually Aegon conquered Westeros, not for blood and glory and gold, although they were there for the taking, but that this was actually a vision that he had uh, chilling in Valeria. Uh, that that the world is going to end that this great winter, this dark forces are going to march and all it's going to take all of Westeros united behind the Targaryens and their dragons to defeat it. Um, that, 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 that's, that's, uh, you know, I, I've got a whole podcast that I recorded with Kim Renfro from the insider and a, of a cast of Kings that we're going to drop immediately after this podcast where we talk about it, but that's, that's the thing. And, and it's, it's not a major earth shaking thing. In fact, I thought, you know, it happened so late. Uh, it was one of those things where I was like, man, is this wise to tie this show that tightly into a game of Thrones, knowing how that whole threat ended up and how people feel <laughs> about that. Yeah. Yeah. They're really connecting it there. I, I do uh, was, wonder was if there's the an opportunity that, that we would, see throughout game. Of that's Thrones the well? cat's okay. paw dagger. The one that uh, Caitlin Stark grabs onto that. The, the cat's paw was yeah. there to kill Bran. Uh, it's the one that Arya uh, jabbed the Night's King with. It's, it's mm-hmm. the blade of glory, the blade of fate. Uh, they're doing things with that. And it's something I think Kim and I wondered about is like, is there any way for them to come up with something? So obviously this is not the main thrust. Like the, the, the main thrust of the show is to yeah. talk about the dance of dragons, the, the beginning of the end of house Targaryen and Westeros. Um, but yeah, can they come up with something so cool that it kind of semi redeems or adds a lot more depth to the final two seasons of, of game of Thrones? I- I don't want to put that baggage on them. I I don't think the show that's does fair. though, because like that's I think that's a, yeah, a fair question right. for they everybody. Don't have to bring that up, right? Um, but th- th- then it's it's a curious decision because I think this show is strong yeah. enough that it doesn't need that. It doesn't need uh-huh. to tie into the main series um, any more than than background for Danny and John, you know. Sure. But like they they are doing that, and uh, something. I was completely unexpected. You get 55 minutes through this episode and it hit me with that. And I'm like, shit, I, I thought the spoiler would be essentially retired. And <laughs> who knows what Valerian tinfoil will be spun from the revelations we get. Cause, cause George has got some, some stuff he wants to get out apparently uh, through I, his, his vassal Ryan Condal. Yeah. I, I was surprised at how hard this episode went. I expected like, the the you know the aforementioned d section to be like the climax of the episode and like they cut the baby out and then you know fade to black credits yeah and i looked at i looked at the clock and i was like oh we have 20 minutes left wait yeah. what yeah. Uh, i agree I, I felt i i felt like that same time uh there's a couple points to where i thought oh we're here at the end well we're here at the end of course i was in uh-huh. a theater i didn't have my phone because they made me put it in a bag. Uh, oh, so I like, I, I had no idea. And um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what, if, if this is just going to be the big thing that's everybody talking about. And then it's just kind of goes to a dull roar, but uh, they got that knife on his belt. They got this uh, retooled prophecy. We'll see what we make of it. Um, I, I bet I know what the t- 10, the, the, the 400,000 people who are going to be on YouTube uh, right now, recording their videos right now to put on YouTube in about 45 minutes. The top 10 Game of Thrones references you missed from House of the Dragon <laughs> yeah. season premiere. I've got like three or four of them listed. Yeah, I, I think I think they're explicitly doing homages. I feel like they mm. started with 
the proper pronunciation of dynasty, which I was happy to hear. <laughs> right, right. I, the, they the said dance, dynasty, and the I dance pronunciation. Out. Sure. Uh huh. Um, th- there was a there's a scene where they start on a joke. They start on the punchline of a joke where, uh, like Viserys says, "I think you might be oh, looking at the wrong end." At the wrong end, yeah. It, that's a that's a shout out to the joke in Game of Thrones that was never actually finished, right? The the but we got the setup for that joke, but never the punchline. Is that the one? Is yeah, right? I, I know that Tyrion With the Tyrion did people tell... walking into the bar. Right. Yeah, that might that actually might connect. I don't know. I didn't make that connect. Just like I said, this is only the second time I've seen this. Um, if you mentioned uh, Mr. Previews, we didn't get screeners for this other than the one I was invited to see out in L.A. So, like, I, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I'll have to check into that now. Thanks for giving me homework, Jim. Yeah, no problem. Uh, <laughs> Always happy to help. Uh, yeah, I, the I mean, other- like you said, all that Dream of Winter stuff. I mean, that's straight out of Game of Thrones. The other thing I thought was interesting from a more of a book kind of purist perspective is they showed the godswood in King's Landing. And when we see that uh, yeah. with uh, with um, Sophie Turner later in the series and the Game of Thrones series, uh, that's just a stump mm-hmm. um, now. And, I, and that's how I've always considered. It. I, I, I did look it up, look into it uh, between you know me seeing it now and apparently at some point. Uh, the Godswood and King's Landing was intact, and it, it uh, all, all the all the weirwood south of the Neck, you know, the little in, the the narrow isthmus that connects North Westeros to South Westeros, all everything south of that of the North has they've all been cut down, uh, and in, in in the Godswood and in King's Landing, supposedly it's it's a great white oak that has this thing called fire vine that grows up through it that gives it the appearance of a weirwood, but it's not a weirwood and doesn't have a face carved on it. This is manifestly a weirwood it's got the yeah. carved face it's got the red sap leaking out of the the carving uh i don't think that's not, obviously that's not a huge change but it is a it is a change and i wonder if it's going to if that, that reflects something else or if it's just an aesthetic that they wanted to it, obviously they want to make as many connections to game of thrones heart fans hearts to yeah. that old series of this series and that might be another one of those um oh i mean e- even down to like you know the, the sweeping shot over King's Landing. I mean that immediately connects you. The, sure. the song they're playing there is like yep. has hints of the Game of Thrones theme in it, and mm-hmm. then they hit you with the basically the full theme at the end, except the choral version of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a lot yeah, of like you know I don't, Game of Thrones. I don't think we ever uh, we we saw D- Damon pulling a Jamie Lannister sitting upon the Iron Throne when he's not supposed to be. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't think we've. I don't know. Did we ever see the Iron Throne cut someone in the in the show because they always alluded to that as being like that's a sign of a bad king if the iron, if the iron throne's cutting you and drawing blood <laughs> and here it's not just cutting him but it's an affecting him which is interesting mm-hmm. uh and the other thing is to connect back to Aegon's dream I couldn't help but notice Viserys had a dream about a son being born with a crown and everyone exulting in him and all that's like maybe the Targaryen's dreams just suck Maybe maybe mm-hmm. the fact that the Great Winter came 300 some years after Aegon predicted it is just like a broken clock being right twice a day, you know, like <laughs> sure. maybe the maybe the Targaryens don't don't really know all that much. Maybe their dreams and their visions or prophecies are just like, you know, the kind you find in the entertainment section of a newspaper, like your horoscope, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, it's, it's an idea, an idea I want to throw out there.
Rick, how you doing, buddy? You, you don't know what it's like out there. Hey, man, d do you even know what it's like out there? N no, not really. I've been mostly kind of flying around in helicopters, carving likenesses of Michonne into cell phones, that kind of thing. What is it like out there? Oh, well, I think it's time to find out, man. Last I saw your wife, Michonne, was out uh, following a giant wagon train. That, that sounds pretty weird, but it seems like a family-friendly outfit. I mean, she's got RJ and Judah with her, right? Um, actually, she kind of left them to be raised by... Negan and Daryl. Well, crap. Hold on, let me get my boots. All right, well, Rick is getting ready. Aaron and I are too. We're preparing to once again recommission the Watching Dead out of mothball status to find out what's going on with Rick and Michonne, the ones who live. The six-part miniseries premieres Sunday, February 25th on AMC, and we'll be ready with our full episodic coverage each Tuesday. And afterwards, who knows? Maybe we'll check out Dead City. Find our coverage for The Ones Who Live by searching for The Watching Dead or Bald Move Pulp wherever you listen to podcasts. FX is adapting James Clavell's best-selling novel, Shogun, into a 10-part miniseries this spring. Set in the shogunate period of Japan at the turn of the 15th century, Shogun depicts the rise of a feudal lord to Shogun, as seen through the eyes of a shipwrecked English sailor. It's loosely based on the real-life exploits of William Adams and Tokugawa Ieyasu. Shogun has already been successfully adapted back in 1980 with a widely acclaimed miniseries starring Richard Chamberlain. Featuring intricate plots, political scheming, complex characters, and thrilling action. This time, husband and wife team Justin Marks and Rachel Kondo try to recapture the successes of the novel and early adaptations while increasing the levels of historical and cultural accuracy that are often perceived as flaws of this and similar works. Starring Hiroyuki Sanada from The Last Samurai, Mortal Kombat, and John Wick 4, with Cosmo Jarvis of Peaky Blinders, Raised by Wolves, etc., joining the truly massive cast required to bring this complex world to life. Join Aaron and I each week as we deep dive into each episode, uncovering the mysteries, the intrigue, and the glory of Shogun. Shogun premieres on FX Hulu Tuesday, February 27th at the two-part debut. Our podcast will release each Thursday thereafter. Get our Shogun coverage by searching for Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. Uh, you know, the one, so one of the huge problems that, uh, and, and I didn't even notice it in this, um, the scene where the gold cloaks are kind of doing their terror raid of King's landing right before they cut off the rapist, uh, junk. There was in the audio mix that I saw in the theater, an audible fart, the man, the man fear farted. <laughs> and I'm like, this is weird to throw in there. I mm -hmm. didn't even hear it. Like, I don't know if my, my Sonos is not mixed. I need to turn the subwoofer up or not. Or they just like decided that was a little too front <laughs> and center. Hey, that was just Elon Musk. Two chairs down. From here. <laughs> it's, yeah. He had a few. Yeah. You got you a little gassy. He had a little too much broccoli uh -huh. uh, for dinner. I no. I that was the one. Um, that was the one thing I, I, I mentioned in some of the things I did previews for. It's like, that's the one that's like, man, that didn't set right for me. And I didn't even notice it in tonight's big. Did you even hear it? 
I did not hear it. Everybody in chat saying they heard it though. Hundred percent verified. Fear fart. Okay, the fart. What what are we what do we how do we feel about the fear fart? Because I thought it was an odd it's a very George Martin choice. It's a very George Martin choice. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was a weird one. Uh as some of his choices, you know, we've all if it, the book readers, we are all familiar with the fat pink pink mass, the mirror swamps. Sometimes George gets scatological and it's it's not it's it's not the greatest. I wasn't a big fan, but that that was the last time that I was worried on the episode. Everything from that was 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 pretty good. And again, I I, I think the highlight of tonight's was the juxtaposition of the the valor of a women on the birthing bed versus the valor of the men, you know, playing at war in the the jousting lists Dude. and. I just do not know the rules of that tournament, but it seems yeah. like they were broken. It seemed like the rules were broken. As soon as you start killing people, uh, tripping their horses, I don't know. It felt like they made that a plot point that uh, we saw uh, Lord Corliss and his uh, w- uh, wife, the queen that never was, Rainus. Which they want to do Rainice, but I noticed the Lord this lean Lord Corliss is nah, she's that's my wife and she's Rainus. Mm-hmm. She like anus with a raw. Rainus. Yeah. Uh, so that when we say uh our anus. If, if we're trying to say <laughs> our Rainus is better than your anus. Right, right. We're gonna have a real hard uh, time not laughing, yeah. But they had that conversation with themselves. It's been 70 years since they've had, there's been a real battle in the land. Yes. The, all yeah. these guys are essentially sex nuts uh, and, and got their blood up and the, the carnage in the tournament, I don't think is supposed to represent like things happening normal, normally ha- nor- like, surpri- like attorney is normal. It's just more permissible. Is it- <laughs> I, I, I don't know why no one stopped it. I guess it's like every it once in a while watches commander going at it. I, Every well, there's that, but every once in a while, it's like if you've you've seen the NFL playoffs, every once in a while, the, or, or uh, NBA playoff, every once in a while, there's bad blood, and the refs just decide to swallow the whistle, and shit happens, man. And it wouldn't fly in any other. I I because like yeah, the the horse tripping at, at, in particular seemed like that's just egregious, and they're just letting him continue to compete. I I don't get it. But yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, I don't know. It, you can't I say mean, no it's to very the prince effective of the city. At setting him up as a huge asshole, and I hate. Oh, him. then they I they did him. so many things like the fact that yeah. like he knocked his he ran over his own squire, uh-huh. uh, turning around to get back to Sir Kristen Cole there. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I thought they did sport. a lot. He slapped away uh, Kristen Cole's hand when once he was beat, like all that stuff. Yeah. But you don't hate Matt Smith. He's not like a Joffrey type. But he's there's something about him that's. No, I, I, I thought any. Okay, you're hating him. Well, he's I thought got he was a hateable kinda... face. How was he ever a Doctor Who? Because I don't <laughs> think you're meant to hate Doctor Who, but fuck me, he's got a hateable face. He's, well, you see him in a bow tie and a tweed jacket uh, versus covered with blood sure. and black armor and bat wings coming from his. It's it's a different look, and that's the thing. Is like I didn't think Matt. Smith could be this badass. He's a beast. Yeah. He looks really good in the gold cloak. He looks really good in uh, his black armor. He honestly looks really good butt naked. Like he's <laughs> he's a lot thicker and sturdier than I was thinking oh. from a Matt from a Matt Smith. Those wings uh, on his helmet. They have to be a liability in a joust, right? 
or in battle like it, I, battle. I always thought that armor yeah. is designed to kind of like deflect things away uh-huh. from vi- this is just like if you've got a battle axe aimed at this dude's head it's just funneling <laughs> into the cranium like maybe he's got a battle like this is the this is the the show version of his armor and he's got totally. like a battle version where the wings are smaller or something but I, if you look at any of the art books of world of I- some of the stuff gets pretty fucking crazy you saw when the high towers he's looking like a rook uh, a lot of these guys were looking very battle chess uh, in their armor tonight but that's another thing that I, I got from listening to Kim talk with Dave on Cast of Kings is that one of the requests from Martin is that he wanted a little bit more colorful he wanted a lot more flags and sigils and recognizable uh, coats of arms and distinctive armor he wanted the dragons to be distinctive like you mm-hmm. notice that uh, um, uh, Syraxes, uh, Damon's uh, dragon at the end, the, the 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 red worm. He's got this very long, snaky neck. And Martin, I guess, has always conceived these dragons of like the Targaryens brought their dragons over, but they're not dragons like they're all. They're more dragon. They're more like breeds of dog. Like you know, you can scarcely mm-hmm. believe a Saint Bernard is the same fucking creature as a Chihuahua, but there it is. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more types of dragons, breeds of dragons, visually distinctive looking dragons than than Danny had with her three. So that's kind of cool too. And already you can see, you, I clearly you can see the difference in uh, 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 Cyrax, which is the the golden dragon that uh, Rhaenyra dra- uh, uh, rides, and Cyraxes, uh the 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 blood worm, the red worm. Yeah, I used to play uh, Cyrax in Mortal Kombat Three. Favorite character. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 my, my Mortal Kombat Three lore stops stops at two, I think. So yeah, all I'm saying is if if he does have a smaller wings version of his helmet, yeah, he's at risk of looking like creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be a bad look. Yeah, um, man, the lighting. In this show too, I like as 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 hard as that birthing scene was to watch. I couldn't help but notice the lighting is just so beautiful. Every every frame of that looked like some kind of pre-Raphaelite's genius's medieval painting. It just like everything was glowing. Uh, is a stark, you know, the the beauty of it was a stark relief to the the violence that was that we're seeing, but. Mm-hmm everything looked good like all that like natural lighting all the giant torches there's that one scene of like think the red keep where it's this giant spiral staircase this is up and up and up and you just see all these lit what do they call cinchers uh candelabras braziers swinging braziers Uh, yeah um i thought that stuff was just really fucking cool Mm -hmm. um the whole targaryen funeral custom i thought was awesome I thought Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra putting the stank on Dracaris, rolling yeah. the R's like that was I guess that's another point of emphasis from the Valerian master that the, they're really wanting to, to work on the dialogue. And I thought that Matt Smith and, and her looked really good uh, delivering that very pretty long Valerian scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, lots to be excited about. Do we have anything more to talk? I mean, we've been going almost 30 minutes. Uh, yeah, this is supposed I, to be I the instant take. Um, it's a little bit, you know, I, I've I've had a little bit of a head start, but uh, of course we will be back uh, on Tuesday with the full uh, breakdown of the scene by scene breakdown and and Gemini's details, thoughts, and analysis. After we've had a little bit more time to watch it and think about it some more, uh, Thursday we'll be back with the feedback episode. Hot D at baldmove.com is how you contribute to that. And else we're going to have some fun with our club members here in the instant talk portion where they get to, to make their points and ask their questions. We'll get to as many of them as we can. Uh, and if that sounds like a good time, 
You can go to support.baldmove.com and get instant access to the archive so you can hear what we talked about tonight. And maybe next week you can join us around 1015 Eastern after the episode airs. All right, let's get do it. Let's get to the instant talk. 